0: Merry Christmas, church. How's everybody doing today? Okay, not well. (laughs) Christmas. Christmas already. Hasn't this year just flown by? I think this year's been going faster than previous year because this year's been kind of weird, wouldn't you say? And this is the year of giving, and it's truly the season of gift-giving, And that's what Christmas is about. We receive gifts, we give gifts. And in our household, what we do is we have a list. We create a budget. And since our family's been getting bigger, more kids are coming to this earth in our family, we have to narrow the amount of gifts we're giving. So what we do is we draw names. And whoever you get, you give that gift to, right? And we set a limit. But for some reason, our family's not getting any bigger, but our budget seems to grow. I asked my wife, what's going on? It seems like we're spending more money. And she goes, well, because it ge- our kids, our boys, are giving gifts to certain other people. Our boys went, Oprah this year, you get a gift, and you get a gift, and you get- It seems that our boys are the most giving people on earth, because everybody's getting a gift. But the bad part is, guess who's paying for that gift? Me. It's easy to do right I'll give everybody a gift if I don't have to pay it but that's what Christmas is about to showing the love we have for one another by gift giving but I love what Michael Scott from the office says about gift giving and this is what he says he says presents are the best way to show someone how much you care it's like this tangible thing that you can point to and say hey man I love you this many dollars worth. (laughs) What Michael Scott is saying is the amount of money you spend for a gift is equivalent to how much you care for that person. Some of you guys have to go, like Pastor Adrian said, to Macy's and change the gift you got for your wife. It's been a weird year. And all kidding aside, for a lot of us, it's been a sad year. COVID has really hit us. I know for a lot of you, you'll be sitting at the Christmas table this evening with an empty chair. I know for a lot of you, you've had financial crisis this year, but there's a lot for us to be thankful. Even in the season as dark as this, let's be thankful that Jesus Christ, the light of the world is still shining Let's be thankful that we can give the gift of Jesus Christ to others who haven't received that gift. See, this Christmas, in a world that seems hopeless, let's share the hope, the hope of Jesus Christ to others. But before we can share that gift, let's receive that gift, the gift of Jesus. That's what Christmas is all about. It's about Christ. No matter what season, no matter what year, We're all in. Jesus is still sitting on the throne. Today we're going to conclude our series we've called, Do You See What I See? And throughout the series, we've been looking at different perspectives of different characters in the Christmas story. And let me recap real quick. The first week we saw Joseph's perspective, what he saw. And basically Joseph saw that he was going to faithfully obey God and step out in faith even though it didn't make sense. He was going to obey what God said. And then we looked at Mary, the chosen woman amongst all women. And what Mary saw was the fact that with God, everything is possible. And she, too, became humbled and served God. And then last week, we saw the perspective of the shepherds, the shepherds, the lowliest of people back then. And God used them to share the good news. They were the first to share the gospel. And what they saw and what we need to see, it is not about the messenger. It's about the message. The message of hope. The message of Christmas. The message of our Savior. Tonight, we're going to briefly look at what God saw. What he saw in the need for Christmas. So we're going to look at Galatians chapter 4. Now, some of you are probably thinking, Galatians for the Christmas story? Yeah, I think these two verses that we're going to look at really emphasize what God saw in Christmas. So Galatians 4, Paul opens up in verse 4 saying this. But when the fullness of time had come. The fullness of time. God's perfect timing. Think about this. For thousands upon thousands of years, the Israelite people were waiting for the Messiah to come, for the fullness of time, for Christmas to happen. Prophets have been preaching about that one day the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. And on the fullness of time, God sent his son. The fullness of time, thousands upon thousands of years later, we're still celebrating that fullness of time in Christmas. The whole world is celebrating Christmas The way we tell time is based on this fullness of time. The calendar changed when Christ came into this earth. He goes on. God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law. Now, don't miss this. This is so important. God sent forth his son. God himself became incarnate in Jesus Christ, born of a woman, The God-man. Jesus being fully God and fully man. That's why we read in the gospel that Jesus is asleep in the boat. Because as a man, you sleep when you're tired. But then minutes later, he awakes and calms the storm. Because as God, you control everything. And that's why we read in the gospel that Jesus wept when he goes and finds out that his best friend Lazarus has died. So he weeps. Because he's man. But yet moments later, he says, rise, Lazarus. And the dead rise from the the dead from the grave. Why? Because he's God. God stepped out of heaven, became man in Jesus Christ. He became Emmanuel, God with us. Now here's the reason. Verse 5, to redeem those who were under the law. Jesus became one of us, Emmanuel, to redeem us. To bring us back in relationship with the Father. But here's the most important thing of this verse, I believe. Why did he need to redeem us? So that we might receive adoptions as sons. So that he can have a relationship like a father has a relationship with his son, with his daughter. Once we put our trust in Jesus Christ that he lived a perfect life. That he hung on the cross and on the third day he rose from the dead. If you trust in that and that your sins are forgiven because of his work, you become part of his family. You are redeemed. That's the reason. God saw the need to show you and me how much he loves us. For God so loved the world that he sent his son. Paul Talks about this in Romans 5. He says this, but God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Christ took our place on the cross. Now that word shows is a present tense. What does it mean? You can actually read this verse like this. For God shows and continues to show and keeps on showing. We'll never stop showing his love for us. You want proof of his love? Look at the cross. I truly believe that love is not only known, it needs to be shown. That's the reason for Christmas. God wanted to show you, wanted to show me how much He loves us. This is a story that David Jeremiah speaks about. It's a true story about this young man who goes and visits. His parents during the holiday season, and he's staying with them, and he's sleeping in the basement. And one tragic night, the house gets inflamed with fire. The son does everything possible to try to save his parents. He goes up to the bedroom where they're at, and the the fire has just engulfed the whole house. And he goes into the fire, burning himself completely, but he cannot save his parents. 60% of his body was burnt. Living with scars, the husband just isolates himself from his wife. Doesn't want anything to do with the world. And his wife frantically tries anything to to tell the husband how much she loves him, no matter what he looks like. But he refuses. He refuses to come out. He refuses to live life. He lives with that shame, with that guilt. Later on, the wife hears about this surgeon who does miraculous things, a plastic surgery, goes and talks to the doctor and says, doctor, can you fix my husband? The doctor says, sure, I can. Bring your husband to me. So the wife excitedly goes home and tells the husband, the husband says, no, I deserve these scars. It's my fault that my parents died. This is my payment. This is my penalty. This is what I deserve. The wife is saddened, goes back to the doctor and says, he won't come. Days later, the wife goes back to the doctor. And the doctor thinks that the husband has changed his mind, but the wife says, no. But doctor, what I want you to do is I want you to scar me. I want my husband to know how much I love him. And I want to scar myself so he knows I can relate. I want to be with him. I want to show him by my scars how much I love him. In the same manner, God is showing you how much he loves you. Stepped out of heaven into the sinful world. Got scars in his hands and his feet on his side. Hung on the cross. To say, I love you. I become part of you. I become one of you. I died for you. Jesus says this in John chapter 15. Verse 13, greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. You know, if Michael Scott was right about the gift that you give your wife or your spouse or your loved one the amount of money you spend on it is equivalent to how much you love them. If he's right about that, put a price on the cross. That's how much it cost God, his son to show his love for you and for me. Christmas is all about love. It's about God showing us his love. Andy Stanley points this out. He says, how would we know where God stood if God would not have come and stood with us? I hope we know where God stands, taking up our punishment standing with us no matter the season no matter the year no matter the scars but let me ask you where do you stand with god i know some of you are sitting here today angry with god how could you how could you permit such a year Some of you probably have these scars of guilt and sin thinking God could never love me if he only knew what I had done. I want this Christmas, church, to be a year that if you have not received the true gift of his son, Jesus Christ, that you receive it. See, when you get a gift, you need to do two things. You need to open the gift and you need to respond to that gift. Will you open your heart and receive the gift of Jesus and respond by being thankful that he knows and he is God with us, Emmanuel. That is Christmas. That is love. Let's pray. Father, we do give you thanks and praise as we celebrate the ultimate gift of your son, Jesus Christ. Let's not forget the true meaning of that. And Father, I pray that if some of us are sitting here with the scars of sin, with the scars of guilt, that we open up our hearts and receive the greatest gift that anyone could ever receive, and that is your Son, Jesus Christ. Father, will you open our minds to truly know how much you love us? And let's celebrate that, let's live differently, having received that gift. Father, it is an awesome thing to know that no matter, no matter how we feel, no matter what we think, you are there, and your love for us will never change. What an awesome Christmas. We love you, and we say all these things in your son's name. Amen. I love you, church. Merry Christmas.